This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, is there a right way or wrong way to find your happiness? There is some science behind it. I, with Greg Fish, chat about toxic positivity and how that can be bad for you. And we dig into the pursuit of happiness and we go about it in all the wrong ways. So Christopher Gilbert joins us normally from Tokyo, from New Zealand this time, and Wellington as he goes home for the first time in six years. What makes home feel like home is the conversation, plus more good news from Good News Tuesday on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. I have good news. It is Good News Tuesday-ish. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Tell me something good, my friends. 877-399-9898. So many text messages and messages to get through. We have stories of good news for you as well. It is Good News Tuesday-ish, and we share the good news for you. Um, that's for sure. Okay. Let's start with some text messages, shall we? Okay. From Michelle in Winnipeg, Good News Tuesday. I found an old friend on Facebook who I haven't talked to for about 40 years. I was surprised when she told me that she had been trying to find me. Also, my 55th birthday was recent. 55th birthday was recent. And this Thursday will be my first ever seniors discount day at Shoppers Drug Mart. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, happy birthday, Michelle. And uh, that's fun. Good luck with your friend. I hope that uh, you're able to reconnect and, and make friends all over again. Good news from Rhino 9.0. I needed a new simple job that's not hard on my body. I had an interview today at an auto parts delivery store in Langley. I got the job. I start tomorrow. I can't wait to get into driving for work again. Rhino. See, good news makes good news babies. When you share your good news, it's um, it makes everyone else think of their good news. Okay, here's another one. This is from Glennie. My good news is that I'm on the seventh night of a nine-day stretch of 12-hour shifts. My goodness. Only have two more left to go. That's a lot. How many days off do you get after that, Glenn? Hope you got a few. Nine days of 12 days in a row. That's 108 hours. So that's two full weeks of work plus overtime. So not including the overtime is time owed to you. That's four days. And, yeah, like that's... A lot of time. Amazing. Okay, I'm curious to see how that works out. Send in your text messages again, 877-399-9898. Um, let's go to Dan, who's in Winnipeg. Hey, Dan. Hello. Well, it was 12 degrees above zero today in Winnipeg, <laughs> and it was like the first day of spring here. Felt good. And uh, everybody was happy. I went out. I spent all day outside. Um, just to be outside in the sunshine and the fresh air, and there wasn't any strong winds blowing, beautiful blue skies. Um, it's like nature woke up and gave, Love it. gave everyone so- I want you to describe that for me here, uh, Dan, because uh, I, I love that. I giggled because you, you said you're 12 degrees above zero, which I suppose uh, from time to time in Winnipeg, that is something you have to declare that it's above zero. Um, the uh, But tell me, tell me, tell me what it's like, because I know what this feels like for me when I open my front door. I have a self-facing front door 
And when I open that door and I feel that sunshine and, you know, that spring feeling, what does it feel like to you? Well, it's like a overdose of vitamin D that's been needed for about seven months. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a really bad winter this year. We had lots of weeks where it was 30 below zero, and uh, that's not unorthodox for Winnipeg, but normally it only lasts a couple of weeks, but here it just lasted for like, seemed like a month and a half. And then we had blizzards, and I think we had the perimeter highway, which goes around Winnipeg, closed more times this year than any other year before. Wow. I'm not sure if it was a record, but just an immense amount of uh, highways closed. Um, about two weeks ago, we had a a storm warning, and they preemptively mm. closed a lot of the provincial highways. The storm hadn't even arrived yet, hey, but Dan, they knew it was coming. Let me ask you, they, let me ask you a question. I, will, you, will you dance with me on something here? Because this is, this is amazing. I love this story. I love what you're telling us because um, what you're telling us is you're telling us how important spring is, right? Mm-hmm. And um, as for me, as a person who loves conversation, Dan, so I'm really grateful for where you've just taken us, mm-hmm. is that isn't it so much easier to talk about all the things that went wrong? And that, uh, you know, because once you start with all the things that went wrong, yeah. um, it's so easy to come up with more of them and more of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, it is. Winnipeg uh, in in uh, winter, I, I could go on a roll. Yeah, I could go I on suppose. forever and ever. But, yeah, but basically, you know, it was a cool. horror show. But now that spring has arrived, like yeah. tomorrow, it's going to be twenty, and it's not supposed to rain for about a week, and it's just supposed yeah. to get warmer and warmer and better it's and beautiful. better. So it I'm not. Makes- I just, I'm not being critical of you, Dan. I want you to know that I'm really not. I just wanted to draw the attention to when I say here on on Good News Tuesday how good news inspires good news. Um, it, it really does inspire good news. And when we fall into that storytelling of all the things went wrong, it's very easy to fall into that that trap. And then what what we get to be a present to is that how it is such a uh, a decision for us to make. And it, I also acknowledge the fact that you can't have good news unless there is bad news somewhere right so i'm not being critical of you at all it's just such a beautiful thing i i think what what you just said for me as a guy who loves the language and and loves all the things um and communicating that's such a great example dan of being human and and how important it is to have good news i think you just gave it to us i that's why i wanted to bring it up so thank you for that bud well another really good piece of good news about winnipeg is that it's very affordable here uh, you could buy a house for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and gas is less than I think gas is the dollar sixty-five today. Oh wow! So it's a very affordable place, and it's yeah. not overpopulated. Um, well, I and you know what? Winni- Manitobans love Manitoba. Yeah, they do. Well, it's very special. Lived, you're on the west coast. I'm in Calgary, but I was born in Flintflon, so I've I've been in and out uh, a bunch of times. Uh, Brendan is on in Vancouver. I lived in Victoria for 36 years, and um, it it became incredibly, um, in my opinion, overpopulated. And uh, being here, it's kind of like living in the country. It's very quiet. It's easy to find parking spots. And uh, it just seems like a more, a slower, peaceful, serene type of life. 
I love it. Thank you very much, uh, Dan, for the call. I, I love your love for, for your province and, and your city, and, and um, you've really created some great context for us, Dan. Thank you so much. Dan in Winnipeg, 877-399-9898. Um, fantastic. And you know what? You can't have good days unless bad days are there. That's why we celebrate them. Catherine is in Surrey, speaking of the West Coast. Cat. Oh, my. <laughs> Talk about a segue. I, I, I've been really, really touched because I saw this woodpecker, like, four feet from the window of my car when I was coming up the driveway and he was just on the side of the tree and he was he was like a foot large he was he was like big guy mm. and beautifully black his feathers and his head the feather on top of his head and and the red face and I've never seen one up close hmm, I don't even either and the vibrancy of the colors even the black it was just and he didn't move. And just, you sit there for like 10 seconds in awe, you know, and and he gives me the side eye, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't move. And then he just, he flew off and he had these big wings. It was just, it was, it was too real. It was surreal. I love it. You know? I love it. Thanks Spring. for the good news, Catherine. It's spring, it's Thank a right. Thank you. Um, I see, and this is where good news makes good news babies. When we went outside, me and um, the moose here, Harlow, my dog, we went outside and there's bunnies everywhere by my house. And um, there was a gigantic bunny sitting right by the the piece of grass that Harlow likes to, you know, do her business on. And the bunny didn't move, just sat there. It's probably about six feet away from us. And the dog's there, she's trying to do her business and looking at the bunny going, why are you here? It was great. It was, it was amazing. It's just like you said, it was, um, you know, it was springtime. 877-399-9898. Good news from Steve. I solved today's wordle in two attempts, honestly. I believe you, Steve. Thank you very much. Good news from Anonymous on the West Coast. The Nanaimo Clippers took a 3 nothing stranglehold in BCHL Coastal Division Finals. What's your good news? Uh, let's go to Anne, who's also in Surrey. Hey, Anne. Hi there. Is Catherine still living? A living? <laughs> is Catherine still listening? That woodpecker, I think it's called a pileated or something, woodpecker. Mm-hmm. I've seen them Steve sent in a text week. message saying the same thing, so I think that acknowledges your your woodpecker knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to meet Catherine sometime. We're both in Surrey. Oh, that's fun. Well, you have a story about uh, about you guys have been locked down. Yeah, we're in, I'm in assisted living. There are 60 residents. For the first two years, we didn't have one case. We were really careful. And now we've got 13 cases. And I've been locked in for, well, not exactly. I'm not locked in because I'm allowed to go out. People that don't have it are allowed to go out. And I go out on the handy dart. But people that aren't as well as me, they don't get out. They don't go down for meals now for more than two weeks. And tomorrow we're getting out. Oh, wow. That must feel fantastic, eh? Well, for me, not as much as for some of the others. It's it's good. Yeah. I'll be going down to meals, and we have activities mm-hmm. and so on. But there's people here that, that don't get out, and it'll be really nice for them. In the assisted living, is that sense of community the most important thing, you know, that, that 60-person family that you build there? 
Yeah, I've got some friends and some that I don't call friends. <laughs> I bet. <But> it, <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- and I want to do a thing on the radio about, like, assisted uh, living drama stories. Like, I want, I really would love to hear them. A bunch of the old oh, folks that are like... Oh, man, have I got you know, some stories for you. <laughs> oh, I love it. We'll do it another day, but I do want to hear those. I think that's great. <laughs> okay. And the dating stories. I want to hear the dating stories. Oh, my God. Have I got one biggie for you? See, there we go. So we'll do this another time, but I love it. So I want to hear this. I want to hear, like, you know, 82-year-old Margaret, and, like, I want to hear the all the stories. So, Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you, but I just got so excited there for a second. <laughs> I'm glad that you're, uh, that you're free, Anne. Thank you so much for the phone call, 877-399-9898. It's Good News Tuesday here. It's The Shift. Um some good news. What can we say here? Uh, that one's too long. I gotta wait. I gotta try and time this out here for the good news. That uh, tweet from Cami Kepke is pretty sweet. All right. Uh, good news from Cami Kepke. You know Cami. She's our bass slapper, sports loving broadcaster from Calgary. How sweet is this? Question mark. A Flames fan is getting a uh, getting a is getting random people down at the red lot party to sign the jersey to commemorate the return of the playoffs. Well, I saw that photo. It's just a person who had a Flames jersey and like most of the other cities, they had, you know, the the viewing party outside if you couldn't get your tickets for inside. And that person was getting everybody who was there to sign the jersey. They said it's the people that make moments like this special. I thought that was fantastic. It was a great piece of capture too. And, uh, you know, because we often would say, let's get the famous people to sign the jersey as opposed to let's get the fans to sign the jersey. Cool stuff. Yoram is in Vancouver. Hello. Hey, good evening. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good, good. It's a little bit of a rainy day in Vancouver, but other than that, it's really nice. And it is spring. Definitely, we've had the cherry blossoms a lot earlier right. than you guys, but I have two pieces of good news. I, actually, the first one concerns my wife. She works at a senior's residence, and she's the recreation therapist. So they're actually letting volunteers come in now, and they're lifting a lot of their restrictions. And she runs an 85-person family. <laughs> and wow. they're all really super happy that, uh, that uh, uh, the volunteers are coming back in, and they can get some musicians coming back in doing music programs and you know singing along with them and stuff, which they really love. And boy, has she got some stories for you when you do that next show. <laughs> I bet. That's great. I do. I want to hear it. I, I, oh, I think she's, it's... Got some, she's got some stories for you, Beth. Oh, including, including, including dating ones. Yeah, see, that's the fun stuff because right. I think that's, that's, I think everybody hopes yeah, yeah. that when but they get the older, not, they can the still have so, a love life. Yeah, but the not so fun stuff is also you'll hear some stories if, you'll, if she'll come on the radio. And the other piece of good news is that we're part of the Jewish community, and um, our community has raised um, now over, I think it's $260,000 for uh, Ukrainian uh, relief and um, uh, refugee relief. We're also accepting refugee families into our community and uh, Jewish-Ukrainian families, I think some non-Jewish as well. And there's Wait, some, that's the cool uh, stuff, right? That's the and, cool and, stuff when, yeah. when you always get one faith base that says, look, you know, we're going to help out our faith base, but if you're not part of our faith base, come on in. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you. And uh, we're also, um, there's what we call machers. That's a new word for you. That's a Yiddish word. And a uh-huh. macher means a bigwig. So there's some bigwigs in the community who have stepped up and said that for every, like, dollar that we donate, they'll match it. So double it. 
and in some cases they've tripled it up to uh, up to fifty thousand dollars. So. Beautiful. I love it. Well, such a good story, Yoram. Thank you so much for sharing it. I appreciate that. And yes, do connect us. It's the shift.ca is our website for everyone to go and connect, by the way, to, um, send in, uh, for example, if like Yoram, you have a, uh, you or a partner or a friend, uh, is God and I, like you hear that comment with Ann about, you know, old folks homes dating stories. That's great stuff. Send us an email. It's easier for us to track than a text. And we'll see if we can put it together here on the radio. That is very cool stuff. Okay, it is Good News Tuesday-ish here, and it was a long line of people taking to salute Guy Lafleur. Family, friends, fans gathered in Montreal at the National Funeral of Montreal Canadiens legend uh, Guy Lafleur. Lung cancer passed away at 70. From high-profile politicians to hockey rivals, Dan Spector takes a look at their tributes and the amazing legacy that Lafleur left on the ice and off the ice with this very long celebration of his life. As the casket draped in a Montreal Canadiens flag made its way toward Mary Queen of the World Cathedral, hockey fans across generations came to chant his name. <laughs> Quebec bestowed the honor of a national funeral upon Guy Lafleur, one of its greatest hockey talents, an artist on skates, an athlete with few peers. The flower died of lung cancer April 22nd. He was the centerpiece of the Montreal Canadiens dynasty that won four straight Stanley Cups in the mid-70s. Not only did he play each game to its fullest, he tried to live his life to the fullest off the ice as well. The guest list, a who's who of Hockey Hall of Famers. For a moving ceremony that saw Habs legends like Yvan Cournoyer and Patrick Roy deliver eulogies. Lafleur remembered not only for his on-ice prowess, but his humility and generosity. He's a superstar, but uh, very humble, very humble superstar. I think uh, as good of a hockey player that he was, you, you knew he was a better person. That big grin that greeted you every time you saw him. The Archbishop of Montreal presided over an audience of tremendous influence. Hockey leaders and elected officials from every level of government paying their respects. His contributions to uh, the world around him was legendary and an inspiration to us all. A generation of fans looked up to the De Montblanc. Some braved long lines to pay tribute as he lay in state at the Bell Centre Sunday and Monday. Hundreds watched the service Tuesday from outside. I'm sad, but I'm, I'm happy to see a lot of people paying tribute and respect. Lafleur's longtime linemate Hall of Famer Steve Schutt served as a pallbearer. I guess I got another assist. <laughs> You know, we've been attached to the hip for so many years. The national funeral, a fitting honor, even to his lifelong rivals. It's pretty powerful stuff for, not only for hockey, for fans, for our culture in Canada. As a kid, he was my idol, but uh, as a player, he paved the way. I Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. Well, that's just it, right? Like, I've heard people say that how come he's a sports guy and he gets this big national funeral thing... Uh, because his impact on hockey alone was amazing. His impact on the people around him was amazing. And he was an amazing person from what I've heard. And so, yeah, some people have more people that want to come see and pay their tribute. And that's just a fact of life. And I just, I think that that's so incredibly important that we, if we can't acknowledge this, if we can't acknowledge the contributions that people do in their lives, because we're going to judge some sort of idea that a national funeral is 
a bad idea or look at the pomp and circumstance. We've got this all wrong. We really do. And the biggest mistake we can make over that, though, would be not to acknowledge them while they're alive. So let's keep that in mind. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's The Shift. Earlier on, I got a, I read a, a list of destinations for Flair Airlines. Uh, it was somewhat accurate, but I wanted to touch base just for the sake of clarity, uh, make sure that we understand. Destinations um, include Abbotsford, Comox, Kelowna, Kitchener, Waterloo, Las Vegas, L.A. Burbank, Los Cabos, Ottawa, Montreal, Nashville, Palm Springs, Phoenix, Mesa, Puerto Vallarta, Regina, San Francisco, Saskatoon, Cal- uh, Toronto, Tuc- Tucson, Vancouver, Victoria, Winnipeg. Uh, probably more than that on there because it depends on where you go because I've also seen Chicago on here, Cancun, Anchorage. Uh, there's a whole bunch. So the impact of the story from earlier this hour on that airline and where people are trying to go for discount, um, that will be a big impact as well. So there we go. Hope that cleans it up for you because I want to make sure we represent the company properly. This is the Shift Podcast. Greg Fish is a computer scientist. Uh, so that means we should probably wish him a uh, May the 4th be with you. So let's get the introduction started. Welcome, Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Now, there is a right answer to this question, Fish, depending on who you ask. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, neither. Really? Really? What? You're a computer scientist. So, you're supposed to I love that to... stuff, aren't you? Well, I do, but not those two franchises. I know and I appreciate them, but are they really my favorites? No, not not really. So, what's your favorite? This is crazy. I don't know what to, how to deal with this. You know, I, I'm really more of just like a big fan of like the classic books in sci-fi more oh. than any particular franchise. So that is particularly nerdy. I think that's like OG nerdy right there. Exactly. I'm just, just going for the books. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. All right. The world of weird things.com. I think we just got out nerded by the, uh, the weirdest of the nerds. You can check out Greg's blog and everything that's there as well on the world of weird things. Pretty cool stuff. Some amazing ideas and some great responses to the conversation last week about climate, which was fantastic. We always uh, try to post that link as well at shiftheads.ca for easy access for you to check it all out and give it a go. So, Fish, where are we going this week in the world of all the weird things? So the last time that we chatted, we talked about... You know, trying to get a little bit more more positivity and a little something a little bit more upbeat into our regular discourse here. And I thought, well, why don't I take that concept and run with it and go in the most weird direction that I possibly can? Because, I mean, it's right there in the name. Like, it's weird things for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I decided to focus on a concept known as toxic positivity. Mm, love it. This, this can is... go two ways for me. Like this can go in two completely different directions. So I'm excited to hear where we go. Toxic positivity. Well, toxic positivity is essentially the pursuit of happiness to the point where it wraps right back around and makes you miserable. I love it. So good. So essentially, when we talk about wanting to be happy, There's a lot of 
advice that we get and there's a lot of media that's and a lot of things in popular culture that push us this idea that we we should always be happy we should always be thankful we should always view every problem as an opportunity and every crisis as a chance to solve something and and every little hiccup in life is just because we're not positive enough to overcome it and um <laughs> you know welcome to I, instagram I, yeah, essentially. Welcome to social media, period. And, you know, I live in the United States and, uh, you know, we're, we're not doing great right now. Like we, <laughs> we objectively aren't. And if I but it is especially pronounced in the States when I lived in Ukraine, when I spent time in other parts of the world, the, this drive of, you know, you should find happiness in life. And that was kind of a, that, that was kind of a good balance. You kind of expected, like, I'm going to, I'm going to try and find moments of happiness in in otherwise um, crappy situations. But in the United States, it is always happy all the time, optimistic. There's no problems, only opportunities. And the, and then Americans wonder why are we so optimistic, but also so angry and miserable? Well, that's because that pursuit of happiness for the sake of happiness kind of gives you that preoccupation with being happy and being obsessed with whether you're constantly happy. But here's where the science comes in. Your brain literally cannot be happy all the time. That is a biological and physiological impossibility for you to be constantly happy. Love it. This is good. This is so good. <laughs> I'm so not what's gonna, you. Keep going, buddy. You just keep no, going. So what? So what's going to happen if you are trying to be constantly happy is that you're essentially just going to run out of happy chemicals. That it's kind of like happiness in a way is kind of like a drug. You get used to certain doses and you build up a tolerance and you need more and more and more and more because that's how you were essentially evolved. Like this is this is how your brain. Your brain is not meant to just sit there and let things remain the same. You're always looking for something new. You're always looking for something to do. You're always looking for somehow to apply yourself. Otherwise, you get really bored. And when you get really bored, you start being really motivated to fix that situation. And we could argue, and, and but I, I think that you'll probably agree with me, that a lot of people do it in very different ways. And one of the ways that, that we've seen a lot lately is to get really involved in some very negative and bizarre and problematic causes for a sense of belonging. So you get mm -hmm. that little jolt of dopamine back and, and that sense little of jolt purpose. of serotonin, oxytocin. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, creating manufactured purpose, not like legitimate integral purpose, just like... Uh, you know what it is? You know what it comes down to me? Uh, problem solvers. And I think men are guilty of this a lot, that um, we often are problem solvers. And when we get into a relationship or a work situation or at home, when we you know, are fixing things around the house, realize it's a broad generalization, but I think you get it. Um, when we've run out of problems to solve, then what? I'm a problem solver. We start to create problems in order to solve them. And how many spouses can hear this one? You can hear it unfolding, right? Like there was nothing wrong with the wall, Steve, right? And now all of a sudden the wall has been torn down, things like that. The car didn't need a paint job, Bob, right? So I think to that point of manufacturing our purpose and our need, that's legitimate when we put our, when we believe that our our purpose is just problem solving. You can't have, 
your purpose unless there's a problem present. And then we kind of look in the mirror and go, God, I wish my life wasn't so filled with problems all the time. We make them. Well, I, I object to that entire bit because I resemble that remark. Uh, but so <laughs> just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little too familiar. But that, but but you're absolutely right. You know, we're creating these problems. We're constantly trying to, uh, we're constantly trying to find something to do and 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 somehow to apply ourselves. And then we end up basically going, well, why aren't we happy? We're so obsessed with being happy that we don't actually take the time to figure out: Do we need to be solving these problems? Are these good problems to solve? And and really, what that comes down to then is researchers started looking into this problem and saying, well, how do you actually become happy? What's the, what's the big, what's the best way to maximize happiness? And believe it or not, it is solving problems. However, however, it is solving problems, real problems for others. It's getting involved in your community. It's doing volunteer work. It's, um, it's it's spending time with your loved ones and traveling and doing new things and seeing new things and meeting new people because the idea is you are no longer focused on evaluating how happy you are or comparing your happiness or comparing what you have or what's going on to others. You're just lost in the moment and you are interacting with people not out of a sense of how does this fulfill my happiness quota how does this solve X problem or Y problem? You're feeling from a standpoint of I'm active in my community. I'm doing things that I'm, I'm being productive. I'm learning new things. I'm seeing new things. I'm spending time with my loved ones. And you don't notice that you are basically already happy and you're already much more content. And if you just focus on on that, on, on that being content, on spending time with people who actually need you or want you to spend time with them, that's where your happiness is going to come from. So I, what I'm hearing from that, when you create that contrast like that, Greg Fish, is that uh, we're, we're switching from sort of the world of a gratitude, satisfaction, you know, sort of uh, the being of happy versus the dopamine hit of fun or entertain me or stimulate me. Because, I mean, that's what it that kind of, kind of like what it sounds like. You're looking for on one hand – this stimulate me happiness piece, or you're just like living on being that way. Am I reading you right? In 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 a way, yes. You're you're essentially you're looking for a way to apply yourself that you get you get a purpose out of being around other people who actually need you and not really focused on, you know, am I happy in this moment? You're worried about you're more focused on Am I making the world a better place? Am I making the most of my time? And and instead of dwelling on that, you're taking action. So again, it's happiness is not something you can pursue continuously. What you need to focus on is pursuing contentment. It's pursuing um, it, it's pursuing helping those around you. It's pursuing. Um, giving giving your loved ones quality time when they ask for it. It's it's those interactions are what's ultimately going to make us happy, not looking at Instagram or rage tweeting or staring in your phone all day. Mm-hmm. I think you just hit the nail on the head when you said contentment. I mean, it's not being happy. And here's why I, I subscribe to that from my own work. Okay, ready? 
we just we've had this run into this recently a couple of times here on the shift and and um you can't have happy unless sad is present so in most cases we think we're trying to be happy when most often we're just trying to not be sad right so in life we don't often seek happiness as an experience we seek give me anything that's not sadness the double negative, right? And we often seek that out in life. And the way you're describing it is is not that you need happy because you can't have happy unless you have sad. The experience goes hand in hand of it because you can't know what is happy unless you've known sadness. So I think that that's bang on when you, when you describe it with content or there's all kinds of other joy. Maybe you can toss those things that sort of are the product of the experience as opposed to, you know, looking for happiness as being, you know, the experience itself. I love and, it. And there's, and there's definitely something to be said to feeling the full range of human emotion because sometimes mm-hmm. you need to be sad. Sometimes you need to be angry. Uh, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely points in everyone's life where if you don't feel sad, there's probably something wrong with you. If you don't feel angry, there's probably something wrong with you. Um, this this idea that we need to be happy, that we need to look for happiness and we can find happiness by buying the right thing on Amazon or by getting enough likes or by getting enough retweets or by getting uh, or by getting a high enough salary. Science tells us it doesn't work. It's it's not possible. It's not. It's just it. There's there's no way that's ever going to happen. We need to focus on contentment. We need to focus on building relationships with those around us and we need to focus on trying to maximize our time instead of creating problems for ourselves to solve or by trying to distract ourselves into happiness and hoping that you know whatever we think makes us happy actually will because again science says it doesn't. When you set that goal for yourself, oh if I make this much money I'm going to be happy. Oh if I have Mm -hmm. this many followers on Instagram I'm going to be happy. You, you won't. It just it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you'll be excited for like a day, but that's it. Your brain is just not wired to work any differently, and it's it's not going to change in your lifetime. Okay, so well, let, let's talk about that because I, I had the experience, and I won't get into the long story about it, but I felt sorrow for the first time, I think truly, with the passing of uh, my former producer, um, John Hippy a few years ago. And I've shared this story, and I try to say his name as many times as I can because he was such an amazing person. And my relationship with John was in full integrity. When I felt like I loved him, I told him I loved him and said thank you. And and we had a very good uh, relationship that way. We weren't overly close. We were just new to each other. And John passed away suddenly. For the first time in my life, I experienced sorrow truly because I didn't feel guilt with it, right? I didn't feel like I wish I could have. I didn't go through any of those things. And for the first time in my life, it was a great lesson. I learned I am just present to the fact that my friend is gone and that the time we had was the time we had and there will be no more time. So it's now my responsibility to keep this alive as much as possible. And I know his sister listens to the shift uh, as well. So it's amazing to just be able to say his name. Now, the reason why I bring that up to you is because when we can get clear in the happy department as allowing happy to be happy, and appreciating and be grateful about it. When we have those sad sorrow moments, being truly with them sucks. But it's not the, it's not the guilt ridden 
I wish I had storyline swirl uh, whirlpool that we get ourselves all mixed up into. The experience is different. So how can we look at sadness differently if we're talking about happiness? I think that when it comes to sadness, we have to kind of accept that certain things just suck and that's all there's to it. And if we don't go through them, then we're not we're not really living. There's something that there's I think there's something profoundly wrong if we don't experience sadness, if we don't understand sadness, if we chase sadness away and accept instead of accepting it for what it is. I mean, there's definitely there are definitely sad things that happened in, in everyone's life. And and we all have this, you know, wish, oh, I really hate this and I wish I wasn't feeling this. But the thing is you you have to because the other important point about it is that is that being able to feel sad about certain events also allows you to have empathy for when others go through it. It allows you to understand other people better and it allows you to to visualize, well, something bad is going to happen to these people. I know how it feels to have something bad happen to yourself and I don't wish that on them because I know how bad it is. So so that experiencing that full range of emotion is what keeps you connected to other people. It's what helps helps you be empathetic. It's what helps you build bonds. It's again, it's it's that full range. And I think you 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 also pointed this out. If you don't know what it's like to be sad, you also don't know what it's like to be happy. Okay, so when you talked about the brain and sort of you just run out of happy juice, like your brain just literally runs out of happy juice, the science of that. Um, do you, did you interpret any of the research and study that you've done as does the scope of relativity change, right? Even though you run out of like, when I guess when you go from extreme to I'm trying to find all the happy stimulate, 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 and then you run out of happy juice and then now you feel sad because your brain is just literally out of the hormones. Um, does the moderation of the experience of both, um, create some success in all this versus the super stimulated, hyper stimulated versus the crashing on the other end of running out of the happy drug? I, I'm not sure that that's a, a really easy question to answer because I, I was simple. I admit I was simplifying. It's not, it's not necessarily quite, quite as simple, uh, but it, 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 the, the, the chemical processes that happen are more complex, but it, there's, there's definitely something to be said about moderation and understanding that you you're going to experience highs, but there's going to be lows, and you kind of want to go for when you're not too high and not too low, and you're kind of and you regulate your emotions um, accordingly. Uh, and, and and that's actually what a lot of the research talks about. It talks about focusing on the quality of what it is that you're doing out there that's making you feel positive thoughts, and not worrying so much about how happy you are and not trying to chase a ridiculous high because that high is going to be gone pretty quickly. Um, and mm. again, it's it, it, the chemistry is, is very elaborate. You don't necessarily completely run off run out of the chemical, but your brain kind of stops being able to feel that high because there's only, there's only so much that your brain can do. And then you kind of go back, not necessarily to sadness, but to numbness. You're like, well, what, that that was great. What? How can I get back to that? Um, and the answer is, you, it it that's just not how it works. You can't just experience in that constantly. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to wait. 
All right, so let's let's ask the quick question. About thirty seconds here, Fish. Um, what uh, what is the moment that makes you happy? Oh, that's um, you pick one. I can give you mine while you think about it. Yeah, of course. I love cooking, and I love it when I'm cooking for the kids and the people like I love. Like I don't. There's something about it. There's something in the provider part of me kicks in. I don't know, but I love just. I'm not even a fancy cook. I just love preparing it, and that feeling about of getting it ready. So that that to me is one of those happy moments. I think I think my favorite is is really going to going somewhere new. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be somewhere far off or super exotic, right. but going somewhere new with um, with my loved ones and exploring something that I've never seen before. Like That's, seeing it for the first time, kind of feeling. Seeing it for the yeah, seeing it for the first time, or even if I've seen it somewhere, like on it, seeing it with my own eyes, being able to. Being able to just be somewhere new and experience something new and do yeah. something new—that's, I think that that's where I'm happiest. Yeah, because you can never you can never do it again, right? You have to be present. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's you, beautiful. You have to it. be there. Love it. See, it comes. It's so different for everybody in in so many different ways. Um, that's wicked. Uh, WorldOfWeirdThings.com, by the way. I will post this at shiftheads.ca so you can easily link to Greg's websites, follow along, podcast articles, and so much more. I'm happy you joined us on the shift greg fish thank you so much always a pleasure this is the shift podcast welcome to the international dispatch from our world citizen live from japan new zealand's chris gilbert well, a very special edition of the International Dispatch with Sir Christopher Gilbert, who is normally live from Tokyo, world traveler that he is, first trip in a couple of years, year and a half. Um, the uh, Live from, are you in Wellington? I'm in Wellington now, Wellington, New Zealand. Wow. So, wow, you sound, or you sound I just almost said Australian. Oops. Oh boy. You sound like a Kiwi all of a sudden. I know. Like you never sounded like one before. I know. I know. Maybe it's just, you know, like my phantom accent coming out. But I do think my accent has gotten stronger since I've come home. Like I, I bet. Well, yeah. Did they say that? You sound Canadian now that you're home? Has anybody said anything? Um, Not yet, because I think it was straight off the boat, you know, like that. I, you can kind of, you know, cut a steak with my New Zealand accent at the moment, but I, I, I haven't had any comments. When I meet people in Tokyo, they were like, oh, your New Zealand accent is quite mild. Like people say that when they really? travel to New Zealand, like I can't understand anybody because everyone speaks so strongly over there. And uh, But you, Chris, have a very mild New Zealand accent, and I'm never quite sure how to receive that as a compliment or not. But right. yeah, I've got- You're my- not a true Kiwi is what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. You're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, right. And but uh yeah, no, I um even last week, I think maybe even on the show, I couldn't intimidate a New Zealand accent. And here it is. It's back. Here it is. McKee-y. All right, it's legitimate, authentic in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh Chris has gone back home. So Chris, for those who don't know mm. our history, let's reframe this whole thing. Yeah. Uh and of course respecting the privacy of your uh blushing bride. Um there's but it is an interesting story of of your history, her history, um, and all of this. Yeah. So, so let's start there. Let's go way back in time. So you're from New Zealand. You came, you actually went to Tokyo, spent time there. Then you came to Canada. You were in Vancouver. That's where we met. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you worked here on the shift. Then uh, your, at the time, partner, opportunity back in Tokyo, go back to Tokyo, got married, 
living in Tokyo, and this is the first chance you've had to go back uh, to New Zealand through COVID and longer. Yes. How long has it been? Six years. And in wow. fact, in fact, I haven't seen my uncle. I'm currently at my uncle's house in Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo. Good Lord. I see. I haven't quite adapted <laughs> yet. I'm at, my, yeah. I'm at my uncle's house in Wellington. I haven't seen him since the day that I originally left New Zealand on March 26, 2015. So and that was to go to Tokyo. That was my. That, that was to travel to London and go around the world and end up in Tokyo. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I haven't seen him since I was just still a New Zealand lad with a very, you know, with a, a crisp haircut, short hair, bright eyes, you know, youth, all of those things. And uh, seven years since I did see my uncle, six years wow. since I've been home. Yeah. Been a long time. That's amazing. It's uh, fantastic. Now, your wife, uh, her story uh, also connects New Zealand and Japan. Yeah. So my wife is, uh, I met her here in Wellington uh, eight years ago, right before I left. And it turns out we had actually been neighbors during university, although we'd never met each other. Oh, no way. Yeah. We lived right next door to each other. And I probably the universe saw- is giving you all kinds of chances. You really screwed that up, didn't you? I know. Well, well actually, no, it turned out quite well for me. And <laughs> <laughs> I think if I'd met her any earlier, I definitely would have screwed it up. Um, yeah, but, ain't that true. But yeah, she is, her father is a Kiwi. Her father's from Wellington. And uh, her mother is originally from, I think, from, she was born in Kanagawa, Japan, and had lived mm-hmm. in Okinawa, growing up in Okinawa. But my wife actually grew up in Chicago because uh, her mom is half American, half Japanese. So, wow. so uh, my wife is, uh, I'll say her name, you know, uh, Mika. Uh, she's a uh, quarter Japanese, half American, half Kiwi hybrid, uh, improved model. And uh, so it's, it's home for her <laughs> too. She's the 2.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is funny because you guys went, we, see, I didn't know the mom Okinawa part yeah. because when you went down there, uh, on vacation a few months ago, uh, you had helped me out because my friend Todd is Okinawan by his heritage, although he's second generation Hawaiian. Yeah. And so we shared a bunch of photos and info about Okinawa. See, I didn't know the mom connection to Okinawa until just now. So this is cool. Okay. Yeah. So that I think that explains uh, the whole story of, of how this is. So it must be special for uh, you and your bride to uh, go back to, to, to be there back in Wellington. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is interesting. It's, a, it's amazing, man. Like, I'll just give you a bit more uh, context is that when we moved to North America a few years ago, I originally wanted to come home first and see my family. And so I bought a ticket to come home in 2019 and come see everybody. And there was on Air Asia and then Air or Asiana, one of those airlines. But uh, months before my trip, they canceled the route to New Zealand. So that was my first canceled trip to New Zealand. And then I, in uh, March 2020, I booked, not in March, but well before March 2020, I booked another uh, trip to come home and see everybody. And right before that trip, the day before that flight, I had my job interview at CKNW. I got my job at CKNW in Vancouver and Vancouver and Canada locked down. <laughs> Wow. And so that trip was canceled. And then two more later trips, or maybe in six months, you know, the start of the pandemic, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe mm-hmm. in six months, maybe in six more months, cancel, cancel, cancel. So it's been a long time. And I can tell you that getting back into your own culture that you've somewhat been avoiding, to be honest, you know, traveling the world, I don't want to go home, is yep. like drawing a warm bath and just like sinking into it. Really? Eh? So nice to be home 
it's crazy. I was not expecting it. It like, yeah. it, it is just the most pleasant feeling of, um, of kind of gaslighting yourself because it feels like, oh, I'm home, but every, you, you know everything so well, but you haven't seen anything in six years. And so it, it feels like you're walking around in one of your own memories or one of, you know, one of your own dreams or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I'm slowly getting over that and I'm slowly feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm back in my, my uncle's house or I'm, I'm back in Christ. I was in Christchurch first. I was down there, um, down in the South Island for a couple of days. Completely different culture to Wellington. Very quiet, very laid back. The Kiwi sense of humor is around. I was ordering a flat white the other day. I just landed in Auckland Airport. We had a few hours to kill. I got a flat white from my little coffee truck. And no, a long black, a black coffee. And the guy was like, oh, it's going to be quite hot. Do you want like a dash of cold water in there? And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Like, oh, come on, just a dash, just a dash. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. And he goes, yeah. And he gives me like the two thumbs up. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm home. <laughs> I'm home. That's amazing. It must be strangely foreign and strangely familiar all at the same time. Because yeah. it's a memory from so long ago. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, so familiar and woven through your DNA even. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh Christchurch is an odd one. Cause I only, I went there first in this trip, but I've only spent a couple of years there. So I don't know it so well, but this where I am now Wellington, this is my hometown. And this is where my, uh, my, uh, my far now, my family are, this is where my friends are. This is where my, my university days are. And uh, I'm in the suburbs at the moment. I just flew in last night. And uh, today I'm going into the town. So today is going to be the day where I really walk around and, and, and see my roots, you know, and, um, and see all the old antics I used to get up to. Like, oh, that's where I threw my, my Whopper burger at somebody. And, you know, that's where my friend Hayden threw up in the gutter over there. And, you know, oh, all, all of those good times, you know. <laughs> the good stuff. So when people world travel, though, Chris, yeah. typically there's two kinds of travelers. There's the people that are out to find something. And there are the people that are out to escape something. Now, young people, typically when young people want to go travel, we're trying to get away. We're trying to escape this world, right? And maybe the two dance together, the two notions. Maybe they dance. Maybe you need to have them both. Um, But unless you're going to Italy because you want to see the Tower of Pisa, and that's the one thing that you want to experience, most people are either trying to get away or find something new, find themselves or whatever. So now going back after all this, take that where you will. Um, but after going back off all this time, that's where I go back to that warm bath thing that you said, right? Yeah. Like it just feels so good to come home. And, um, you know, obviously I would suggest you're better off for taking the trip. Yeah. You know, good friends. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for a compliment. But at the same time, the, uh, you know, it kind of ma- must make you wonder, you know, why'd you go? Oh, that's such a good question, mate. Like, honestly, like, I'll, I'll just say that when I first left New Zealand seven years ago, definitely escaping. Like, my dad had died about six months beforehand from motor neuron disease, which if you don't know about it, please look into it because it's a very unknown and misunderstood, you know, disease. And But um, he died a few months earlier. And so when he died, I was just frantically, like, searching things in Turkey to go see. You know, like, deep diving into what bus am I going to catch? And it's like... Just all the smallest details. So it definitely was escaping. And then when I lived in Japan for a while, as you said, it became finding, you know, finding new things. That's why I stayed there for so long and Canada too. And, and uh, I, uh, this trip back home now, 
is only a week and a half. So it's the PCR tests, it's the, the, the long flights, it's all of that for a week and a half, right? It's not that long. And it's a good question. Why do it? You know, and it, we, we asked this question ourselves between me and, and my wife a lot and leading up to it. It's not that long. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of hassle. Why do it? And I think the reason to do it is you're gonna, you have to go touch home. You know, and like home, home changes all the time. And it, when you live in many different countries, you know, and you are away from home for so long, like I've got so many stories to tell my family about I've been to Canada, I've been to like, um, you know, I've been to Hawaii, I've traveled all around Japan, you know, I've moved back to Japan in crazy circumstances. There's so many things have happened, but none of them were home, you know, and I feel like I've traveled a lot in the last six years, but not to my home. And it makes you wonder what your home is and which is the very natural progression, you know, when you're traveling a lot. And uh, to come here and touch it, you realize like, oh, this is always going to be my home for better or worse. And you can love it and want to be here or you can hate it and want to run away. You can have like a nice holiday feeling where you're like, oh, mate, I don't want to go back to Tokyo. Like I want to like stay here and just fall asleep again, you know, mm -hmm. but then you wake yeah. up one day and you're like, Oh, what the heck am I doing? And cause it's holiday. It's not the real experience mm -hmm. of living here. It's just yeah. holiday. And, uh, it, the, the reason to do it is really just, you have to go home and just touch home, see what it's like, check in with yourself, see how you have changed. Because guarantee you, nothing here has changed. <laughs> it's New Zealand, yeah. nothing ever changes. So it's really about <laughs> how, how you have changed, I think. Yeah. Um, I hope you'll take us uh, on a little video tour on your phone, like you said you would, so we can post it at the shiftheads.ca mm -hmm. uh, Facebook group for everybody. Um, now, here's the hard question, of course, because you know me. I don't ever back away from the hard stuff. Um, is this uncle's house you're at? Is this your dad's brother? My mom's brother. Are you ready to be back after leaving so quick after your dad passed? I mean, hey, and just for everyone else who knows, oh. uh, you and I have talked about uh, your dad on the radio. You've shared uh, very lovingly, um, you know, this year and a half ago or so when you were with us on the show. Yeah, yeah. So if it's too much, Chris, you could just tell me. Oh, no, on, no, it, it's, it's all good. I'll talk about anything. Um, I mean, I have been back once since, but for two weeks. So I left seven years ago, but it's been six years since I've been home. So I, I went home very quickly after I left like the next Christmas, but only for two weeks. And my family dynamic now is very different to how it was then. Things are much better in my family now than, than they were then. Um, I think it's okay. Like I'm actually going tomorrow to meet my dad's, well, who is my dad's effectively, no, not my mum, but his second marriage, his widow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go meet my stepmom tomorrow and I'm going to go meet my dad's sister tomorrow for coffee. And oh, that'll be nice. It'll be, yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be up the coast. Uh, well, it'll be up the Kapiti coast of New Zealand. It's about an hour North of Wellington where like that side of the family live. So I think it will be difficult to go back to that because it is a big Island in the, and just off the beach called Kapiti Island. You can Google it if you want. It's K A P I T I. And uh, it's very, it's a, like a symbol of that part of the country. And it's also for me kind of a symbol of my dad because mm -hmm. that, that's where he lived the, his last years. That's where he passed away. That's where he went through his sickness. And so uh, I 
when I see that island a lot, I often, you know, think of my dad and and uh, and relate my my feelings kind of connect to that part of my life, if that makes any sense. And so I'm going back to that part of the the country tomorrow. And so I think that might be uh, kind of emotional, um, be very interesting. And uh, but I honestly think you know it, it has been seven years since he passed, and there has been a lot of time. Uh, you know, uh, my brother still has. Um, his por- my portion of his ashes at his house. Uh, and I, there was one time that my dad and I went hiking out to a place called Butterfly Creek, which is just over the hills here in Wellington. And we camped there together. And I, one day I want to take that bag of ashes and scatter them at Butterfly Creek, which, you know, I probably shouldn't say that on the radio in New Zealand because it's illegal, but I can probably <laughs> say it in Canada, it's fine. Um, but uh, I want to go do it there, but I probably won't have time on this trip. So there is unfinished business, but um, to, to answer your, on, your question, honestly, Shane, it, it's, it's actually fine. You know, like yeah. it's, it's fine now. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I, um, I, I love that. Maybe it's just time, Chris. Maybe it's just time to reconnect, you know? Yeah, totally. Maybe you went through what you went through and maybe the, you know, you say it's a, a pain in the butt with everything else, the PCR tests and the yeah. cost and everything. And, and maybe that's just it. Maybe you're just at that bridge and you're like, you know what? It's just, I'm ready now. So it doesn't, it's, it is worth it because mm. I'm just ready. Yeah, and also just on the PCR PCR side of things, it's a really weird travel experience. Can I just say? Yeah, I want you to tell me about that. The airports and everything. So tell me. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just say on the PCR side of it, I haven't felt this alert since the start of the pandemic. Before everyone, every little itch and twitch in your oh body. Oh my god! Every little sneeze. <laughs> since this is pre-vaccine level alertness. It's like I have a permanent tickle in the back of my throat, going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Every my- sniffle. Yeah, the guy, the guy on the plane next to me yesterday had a little cough because it's just at the moment. Um, Omicron is actually quite prevalent in New Zealand at the moment. Everyone's boosted, but everyone's getting it, and uh, the. Uh, to go back to Japan, I need a PCR negative result. I mean, that's my bottom line is that if I get sick, I can't leave the country. I've already had COVID. Mm. I'm boosted. To be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm not that concerned about. You and know, yeah, it was recent too. So you, statute, yeah. based on what they say, you should be at least Absolutely good for a while. Absolutely fine. But I need that negative PCR test to get, but it's just paperwork, you know, like yeah. I need it. Um, but I tell you what, Last time I flew internationally was Vancouver to Tokyo, and that was in October 2020, and that was a dead airport. It was just me and my wife rushing through Home Alone styles to get to our plane to fly to um, to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. I went through Changi Airport in Singapore. Oh, my God. I could not believe the difference. People are traveling. I wouldn't say full, but people are traveling. I would say- well, they were saying here in Toronto to, to reaff, uh, reaffir, uh, reaffirm your point. Uh, Toronto at Pearson, they're now cautioning three hours in advance just to get through baggage lineups and security. Oh, my God. That, that tickles the cockle- cockles of my heart. That, that makes me so nostalgic for traveling um, to see my, when my uncle, who I now he used to live in. He used to live in Ottawa and going through Pearson was always a horrific experience. But yeah, like at Changi, it was, um, it was just, I'd say 30%. And the kind of travelers that are out and about, that there's, I haven't seen any like, um, oh man, I don't want to be mean, but you know, when you travel, you just see the 
dumbest people in the world. <laughs> you love being mean, first of all. Yeah. And second, you're right. I, we just talked about this the other day. I wish you could have been here because yeah. I said there's there's two kinds of people in the airport right now, and I love to watch them. Yeah. One is the person that does not travel often, and you can tell. Yeah. Uh, like it hasn't traveled in so long because they ask normal questions. Excuse me, I'm looking for this number. Uh, you know, C64. Can you help me find C6? I don't know where I am. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. that kind of traveler is the person who just admits the fact that look i don't know what i'm doing yeah and then there's the other traveler who tries to look like they know what they're doing and they're, they're like an expert on flight delays and moving gates and all the things and they come up with this whole yeah. story i love watching those people there's also the third kind that doesn't know what they're doing doesn't care and doesn't think to ask and uh those people somehow <laughs> that's a good point their, their single trolley somehow takes up the entire width depth and breadth of the airport and you can never move around them as they slowly dawdle their way from gate to gate just looking off into space those people are not there uh the people who are traveling at the moment in Changi anyway in singapore are the people who have somewhere to go uh kind of like me i'm going home and everyone has a kind of look of determination on their face but you know things are things are i i would say with extreme caution kind of feeling like a little like they used to a little you know and um i'm also very impressed by here in new zealand i wasn't sure what mask culture or what covid protocols i was going to find here i'm very used to tokyo I'm used to Vancouver, where everyone, we had the big mask debate back in 2020, you know, on the CKNW every day. And uh, I wasn't sure what, where New Zealand was at. And New Zealand at the moment seems very comfortable and, you know, everyone's wearing masks and everyone trying to take care of each other. You know, there, there was a guy yesterday, yesterday next to me on the plane. He had a cookie on the plane just from Christchurch to Wellington, a very short flight. He forgot to mm -hmm. put his mask back up. And I, and I don't. I don't want to be that guy, but I need that negative PCR test, baby. And I, and I said to him, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, I don't, oh, what do I do? Do I ignore it? Do I look, oh, God. And I said to him, I'm sorry, I don't want to be that guy, but I would feel a lot more comfortable if you just replaced your mask, if that was okay. Just put it back over your face. It was, under, it was under his chin. And yeah. I was bracing myself on, oh, you're one of those masked people, but no. He was like, oh, that's all right. Sorry about that. Mask back up. And I said, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't want to be one of those people. He's like, nah, you're all good. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're actually not even one of those people, really. Yeah. I mean, you're sort of kind of balanced on the moderate line of all this anyway. Yeah. That's I, a safe statement. I'd isn't say, it? So I thank you for that. Yeah. 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 No, I, well, I, I, yeah, well, it's all kinds of different types, right? There was a lady. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got COVID from a lady who sat next to me. Um, in, uh, and I got a free upgrade to first class on that flight, right? They're like, hey, Mr. Hewitt, here's your ticket. We've, By the way, we've upgraded you. And they put me next to this lady who was coughing and sneezing. And yeah. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what to do in that situation because she kept her mask on. And she had her cat and she was going to some friend's funeral in Victoria. And yeah. I'm like... She's snotting all over the place. And I'm like, first of all, you're about to go kill all your friends. Yeah. Uh, second of all, um, you shouldn't be flying, lady. And I didn't know what to do. So I, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, you said that. Um, yeah. I was tempted to say, look, I can't sit here. I'm going to, can you move me back to the back where I paid for my cheap ticket? Because this, this is, uh, this is too much. So, but we go through that. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So Christopher Gilbert, uh, normally from live from Tokyo is back in Wellington, New Zealand and uh, ready to connect. So it's a different kind of international dispatch and storytelling from around the world. Um, acknowledging that your schedule is a little unknown and what's going to change here. Mm. 
um, we would like to hear a bit of a story of of how this goes for you. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I acknowledge the fact that you are sharing a big piece of your heart with us here, but you know, that's kind of how we met, and that's sort of how this all started anyway. So it seems like it's not all silly stories from around the world um, all the time. Uh, but still kind of our own silly stories from around the world. So I really appreciate this, buddy. No worries, mate. It's always good to share, um, you know, and I, I, well, I will leave you on a very positive note. Well, my little nephew, Elliot, is six years old, and I haven't been home in six years. The last time I saw him in the flesh was as a baby, a little baby. Mm-hmm, and like I, a lump. Yeah, and now he's like a real human, right? And I saw him the other day, and I was really worried because, like, he's a real walking, talking boy with, likes and dislikes and personality now and i haven't seen him since he was tiny so he won't know me and i'm like oh my god i'm his uncle like is he gonna like me is he gonna know me and <laughs> he runs up to me gives me a hunk holds my hands starts tugging me around the house and shows me everything around the house and uh the relief i felt and wow. so for all the family members out there who have little kids who they haven't seen in years you know my message is Zoom works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it does. Works. It works. They, especially for little, little kids, they know your face. They know your voice. They kind of know your vibe. And I, I'm not saying it's a, rela- a replacement for a relationship. Yep. But if I had never had uh, the power of technology, I mean, when I was a kid, we used to send cassette tapes to family overseas, right? And when I saw my family overseas and they came, it was still the same. I'm like, yay, it's you, the voice of the cassette tape. Yeah. You're a person. But it worked. Like, stay in touch with the, pe- with the people you love and uh, go see them when you can. If, you, if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if it's worth it, it's kind of a, do it. Go home, see the people you love any chance you can because it's it's 100% worth it. And they will be so happy to see you. Wow, Chris Gilbert, and a a whole new understanding and definition I think you've given all of us of um, what is home. And... um, and I look forward to hearing more about it, buddy. So Chris is, uh, for a quick, the quick nuts and bolts, it's a quick trip this time. Um, you know, Chris uh, and his and his wife did get married, but you're still going to have sort of the the Kiwi Celebration 2 coming up so. um, in short order. Not on this trip, but mm. coming up. And so there, there's more to come with this whole thing. So I think it's fascinating. It's great to see your face, bud. Thanks for doing this. You too. And uh, yeah, let's chat again soon. And I'm going to get into town and start making some video content for you guys. So I better get at it. <laughs> Put you to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. No worries. Look again soon. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.